Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And today we're joined by our friend, Joanne Pollard. Joanne is a marketing professional with over 15 years of experience who currently works in the video game industry. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and Spanish literature from Columbia University and an MBA from the University of Chicago. She is also a wife and mother to two kids and is currently juggling a career she never never wanted as a second grade distance learning teacher to her eight-year-old daughter. Oh my God, COVID. Yep. The pandemic. She is a teacher. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me to talk to you guys about my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have to ask it just because my mom was actually my third grade teacher and this wasn't at home. She like worked at the school where I was and she would threaten to spank me in front of the class, like in front of my friends. I know that wouldn't (laughs) apply today, but I would love to know, Joanne, what kind of a teacher are you? Not a very good one. Are you like a nice one or super strict? Not a good one. The thing is that I get really, really (laughs) impatient when I feel like my daughter isn't giving her all. Um, But then at other times, I I know that she gets frustrated with perfectionism. It's just I'm I'm not I'm not the most patient, and I'm just like, why are you crying? Why Why did you just throw yourself on the floor? It's it's (laughs) it's very frustrating. That said, my child is incredibly intelligent and and she tries her best and, you know, it's just, it comes with the territory. Right. For sure. And many of us struggle with perfectionism, which I think rolls us right into our topic of the month, uh, which is stunted. So we're going to roll the narrative and then we'll come back and talk to you about it. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to call to you and talk about my day. I mean, it's just foolishness as per usual. Yeah, yeah, it's work. I talked with my manager again about what growth looks like. I mean, taking a course, opportunity for advancement, something. And it's just, it's just the same old BS. It's coming. We'll get to it. Focus on mastering your current role. We'll see what happens in the next year. I've been mastered my role. And you think after so many years of giving them gold, like improving the team and offering innovative solutions, pioneering our org's direction, they want to not even reward, but honor the commitment and the work that I've given them. And every time we go into a performance conversation, I I have no idea what I'm being measured against. So no one is tracking my successes because we don't even get goals at the beginning of the year. 
I don't know my benchmarks, my objectives. So how are you going to give me a performance review when we didn't set the bar prior to me performing? I know, I, I know, I know. But it's just interesting, listen to this. Two weeks ago, that same guy that I helped train years back got promoted. Like, remember, I onboarded him into a role below me, and now I'll be reporting to him in a, like, dotted line kind of way. But that's what really gets me. Like, you trust me to train others, but continue to ask me to master my role before we can talk about growth. And I've thought about my goals. I've shared them broadly. I've done my research, gotten additional credentials and certifications outside of that team. I've even drafted career roadmaps. I'm like, all I need is a thumbs up. Help me get there. But at this point, I really just think they're lazy. They don't want to grow me. So it feels like I'm working towards nothing. Like, I want to be inspired and driven and curious. And it's hard for me to do that when I can't see what I'm working towards or even talk about it in a real way. Like, I don't even have that space. So I'm stuck and it's frustrating because I want to be better for myself. But the people around me don't want that for me. Like, how can you grow in a space that either doesn't believe in you or doesn't want to nurture you? I'm in cement. Like, I need soil and light and water and purpose. So you've had the opportunity to hear the narrative, Joanne. What were your initial thoughts and reactions to it? So, so many thoughts going through my head. One of the things that I definitely agreed with is is just that frustration that you can hear about not being able to progress in your career and not being given the opportunity after you've already put in the work. I, I feel like at times in my career, I haven't even been given the opportunity. And I just sit back and I'm like, how is this my boss or my boss's boss? And, and, you know, they don't seem to have to put in the same amount of effort that I put into my work and somehow they're getting promoted and I'm not, I don't, I I haven't been in a situation where someone who reports to who, who I've trained has, has gone and, and surpassed me in my career. That, that hasn't necessarily happened to me, but I've had, barriers even getting in the door. And I've managed to convince myself at times that, you know, maybe I'm just not good enough or smart enough or or whatever the case may be, because if everybody works really hard, then obviously they're going to be able to get to where they want to be. That's the that's the narrative that, that you've been given. That's what you have been led to believe. And when you don't even get the opportunity to get your foot in the door, that's when those limiting self-beliefs really start to to get to you. Yeah, and that is the myth of meritocracy. Um, Because there are so many people who have raised through the ranks and they haven't worked as hard as many Black and Brown women have worked, Uh, whether it's getting credentials, whether it's training other people, whether it's working long hours, whatever it is that you've had to do, you know, many times the carrot just keeps moving. And as you mentioned, we have this negative self-talk where it's just like, well, maybe I need to do something differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I need to tell you this, but you are enough. And I'm sure the people that are listening may have experienced that as well and want to tell you too, that you are enough. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, 
one of the things that's super, super interesting is that right now you see a lot of companies that are focusing on diversity and, and inclusion and helping to progress women of color and people of color in general. And you think, you know what, now's my opportunity. Now is the time that companies are looking for me. And then we're in a situation where we can see the goalpost move. Then you see that now our president wants to put in limitations and, and scrutiny around diversity and inclusion. So you literally are watching the goalpost move once you actually feel like you have an opportunity. Oh, yes. Thank you for saying that. And I know this was not, you know, initially part of the conversation, but yesterday or maybe it was a couple days ago, I got wind of this article or this blog from Microsoft and they actually received they're like they're under investigation <laughs> by the government because the government is saying, are you um, practicing racism? Are you making decisions based upon race? And it's just the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life. Totally agree with you. I saw the article as well. Yeah, and I, I think this like myth of meritocracy is is interesting that you mentioned, Crystal, because actually I was raised that very way, right? I come from like a family of immigrants. So in their mind, it's if you work really hard, you can do anything that you want. And my grandma and I actually have this joke where uh, sometimes I'll get frustrated with her. I'll be like, grandma, it doesn't always work that way. And I swear, like, you think that I could fly to the moon. Like, you think I could, like, build my own rocket and everything. And she's like, I absolutely do. And obviously it comes from a good place. And, like, uh, she wants to empower me. But the thing is, I did go to grad school for something that I wasn't good in because I believed that that's how it worked, right? Just like my first job out of grad school was something that I didn't love, but that I was decent in. And I thought that's how it worked, right? If I work really hard and I study really hard, it's all on me, whether or not I'm smart, whether or not I'm successful. And when it all came crashing down, just like you said, Joanne, I definitely thought to myself, wow, so I'm not smart. This is all my fault. I didn't work hard enough. So in that same vein, Joanne, right, when we finally do get to a place where we enjoy the work that we're doing, we're, we think we're pretty good at it, we're having a fun time doing it, what does it do to your mindset when your leveling or your title or your role aren't aligned with the qualifications and the experience that you have that make you so good at this? Quite frankly, it makes me feel like the company that I'm with doesn't value me and what I bring to the table. It makes me not want to necessarily continue to give everything that I give to the role. And because I'm constantly thinking, you know, if I'm going to be compensated with a title, with the with the salary for the work that I'm doing, or rather, when, if I'm going to be properly, if I'm doing all of this work, that I'm going to properly be compensated for that work. And when that doesn't happen, it makes me check out. I constantly look at job boards and other opportunities and really assess whether or not where I am is where I need to be. Yeah, and you should always, one thing that I've learned over time is that these companies aren't loyal. <laughs> 
Yeah. So you have to always keep your eyes peeled, always be open to a conversation, no matter what, even if you aren't looking for something, if a recruiter reaches out or if a hiring manager wants to talk to you, take that call, girl, like have the conversation. Yeah, that is something that I learned early in my career. I was at a company for five years and You know, I graduated in a bad economy. Unfortunately, I graduated in a bad economy from undergrad and from graduate school. So the job market has always been difficult. But with my first job, I was just so grateful to be employed. And I stayed there for so long. I I got paid substantially less than people who graduated two or three or four years after me were getting paid. And, And I was just still there. And I got into this kind of helpless mentality of, well, there's nothing I can really do about it. I'm just happy to be here. So, you know, that taught me when I left that company, I went to graduate school and, you know, nobody reached out to me. Nobody said, hey, this is such a huge loss that that we have here. You know, I was just as replaceable as anybody else. And and that that really taught me about, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward, how much loyalty I can have to a company. And it's really as much loyalty as they have to me. Yeah. And I think sometimes the expectation, it's so weird, right? I think that companies that we work for expect us to have like this undying loyalty, no matter how much they pay us, no matter how much uh, they do or don't promote us, uh, don't give us what we deserve, don't grow us, don't give us feedback, all of these things. Um, And then the minute their loyalty fails they're like don't be emotional like this is just business like this isn't personal it's business in in one of my roles i had a conversation with a hiring manager about the level that i was coming in at that job and how i didn't feel like my experience and my background and and my education merited that level i felt like i should be coming at a level higher. And I was told, oh, you know, we can't make any guarantees, but but we're going to fast track your career. That's what we're going to do. Of course, you have to measure up. You have to deliver. But we're going to we're going to fast track your career. And I was just left waiting for months to understand what I was being measured against. What were the metrics? What what were measurements of success? And then that conversation about leveling up and then fast tracking my career never came back up again. Mm. Lies and deceit. Even after I brought it up a couple of times, you know, what, where, where do we stand with that? How, how am I being measured? Still, you know, kind of putting it to the wayside and not really addressing the issues. And when we think about these companies and when, you know, we have these conversations about how it is that we want to grow or in your in your case where there was a conversation that happened that was kind of forgotten about. Sometimes when we aren't grown, they use policy, they use process, they use performance standards as excuses why we don't get the promotions, the compensation the opportunities that we deserve. Do you think that black and brown women are held to a different standard of performance? And why do you think that or not? 
I know that they are because the data shows that they are. If you look at the women in the workplace uh, study that recently came out, you see the data. It's it's there for anyone to, to witness. Why that happens, I don't know. I um, can only guess that it's because some of the unique things that we bring to the table are not necessarily things that are valued. I, I had a conversation with, with a VP about incre- increasing diversity on our team. And one of the things that I mentioned was that our team members and, and the people who move up have a tendency of being very authoritative. They're, they're people who take up space. They're people who, who make sure that they get the last word. And, and so because that's the type of people who have moved up and those are the people who, um, who have had successes, that is something that that team values. And not every successful leader operates in that way. So I think that it's just an ingrained behavior that when you see something that you think is successful and then you you continue to promote people who are that way, whether it's women or people of color who, who are outside of those stereotypes, all of a sudden, you know, you're not thinking about them because to them, those are not successful behaviors and it's 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 simply not true right we see in in the data that diversity is important diversity of thought diversity of backgrounds diversity of race and ethnicity of men and women you know diversity is important and all the companies who focus on it have substantially better results and bottom lines than those who don't Yes. And I think it's so interesting, right? Because I wouldn't, I don't think that black and brown women have the privilege of being authoritative, right? If we're authoritative, it is cast in a very different light. So in order to avoid a stereotype, maybe we take a leadership style that's a little less authoritative, right? And for that, we're faulted. But if we do try to rise to the occasion of authority, we are seen as aggressive, we're seen as like um, confrontational. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a double-edged sword and you just can't win. Either you have to adapt mm. and, and behave in ways that are that are not necessarily um, the way that you would want to, to be perceived as collaborative, or you become aggressive mm-hmm. and, and you're not a team player and, and you're loud. And, you know, I, for one... I'm a very expressive person and I have seen people who are less expressive. You know, you, you see the, the nonverbal cues where you're just like, oh, I did it again. I just said something that didn't sit well with that person. And I don't that made them uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah, that made them uncomfortable. I don't know if it was my tone. I don't know if it was the actual words that I was saying, but I can tell that something just changed in this conversation with this individual. Mm. Yes, all of this. And I love Krista, you're in my head, but so please get out. Um, <laughs> there's this uh, Pixar short film called Pearl. And I don't know if y'all have seen it before, but I love it. And it basically lays out what we were just talking about is that women and particularly in our case, black and brown women don't have the privilege of walking in and being authoritative. Um, And in this particular short film, 
Pearl changes herself. Like she walks into the office and she's like this ball of yarn and she's expressive and she's ready to take on the world. But the office is a bunch of dudes and they're all looking at her like, what is this ball of yarn doing in here right now? And she changes herself in order to fit in. And obviously in the short film, she is accepted um, for changing. But then what happens at the end is that there's another woman or ball of yarn who comes into the office. And initially she's like with the guys, like one of the guys. And then she takes this woman, ball of yarn, (laughs) under her wing and then transforms back into her actual self. And I mean, obviously it's a short film, so it has a happy ending and Pearl and this other woman are accepted for who they are, but that's not necessarily how things play out, um, specifically for black and brown women in the workplace. Yeah, and that, just your description of it made me really emotional. Pixar gets me every time, they really do. Damn it. I haven't even seen it. Just you describing it. I'm like, ball of yarn, don't, don't change yourself. Um, But I I think to your point, Crystal, sometimes having that relationship with somebody, right, just one person, and especially having a community can change the way that you experience your workplace or can can change the way that you perceive your self-worth right? And you start to take your growth seriously, especially when you see the same thing happening to you, happening to someone else in that space that you've begun to care about. So how does being one of a few, right? Or a minority where sometimes you don't have a community or you don't even have that one other person within a team or even across an organization affect your growth, Joanne? Um, it's hard to say how it has impacted my growth or how it can impact my growth. But one thing that, that I will say about being the only is that it provides this, this level of pressure and, um, and, and kind of stress about having to be a representative for your entire group of people, whether you're the only woman in the group, the only person of color, mm-hmm. it feels like I can't mess this up because if I mess it up, I'm going to mess it up for everybody else who comes after me and and not not only that girl not not only am i gonna mess it up for for everyone else who 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 comes after me but there's also a pressure of we are not a monolithic group so how how can i carry this weight how can i be the one that has to be representative of everyone in my group you know i'm i'm from the dominican republic so i'm latina but Latinos come from over 20 different countries. They have over 20 different cultures and mm-hmm. different words for the same thing, even if we're all speaking Spanish. And to have that weight on me, to, to be a representative for everybody else, is it's a huge, huge responsibility. Um, in terms of, of the growth, it's it's a lot like what I was discussing before, where you don't necessarily know if what you bring to the table that's unique and different is going to be valued. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yes, I feel all of that. I feel all of it. I probably would have done the same thing to you, Crystal, but I didn't know you at the time. When I was fired from my first job after grad school, 
I remember I called my friend immediately and I was like sobbing to her. And one of the first things I said was, they're never going to hire another woman of color here ever again. They're never going to do it because before me, they had also had some, I, I guess, some ugly circumstances with other women of color who had worked in that same space. So that pressure is is so real, I think. And I love that you're calling out that we're not monolithic. So we're not a stereotype. It is a spectrum. And you're going to get all the different shades of, of what makes someone a Latina or a black woman. Right. And even sure. even those things that we were discussing before, not every brown or black woman is loud. Not every single brown right. or black woman likes to, you know, speak with their hands and and like mm -hmm. to dance and have the same hobbies and interests. You know, we are all very different individual people and we all have something different and special that we offer. Yeah. And let's be real. If you have had situations only with women of color who have come into your organization and the people that are successful in your organization all look the same, sound the same, act the same. Maybe the women of color weren't the problem. They weren't. Absolutely not. Yeah. And thank God. Yeah. Thank God we're having these conversations two years later. So um, anybody out there who's thinking that they're the problem, you're not. Just like we were telling Joanne in here today, right? It's it really isn't us. And I think sometimes sometimes we do need to give ourselves that grace because we talked about it at the beginning of the call. But black and brown women have this air of perfectionism that's, that we require of ourselves, right? It's something that we actually have to unlearn. I don't think I've actually, I've never met a black or brown woman who didn't already have that like programmed into them, this perfectionist mentality. So I think with that, it's not our fault. And sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work, but the circumstances are what's the environment, sorry, are what's preventing you from growing. That's that's the reason why having these conversations is so important, right? Like you have to know that it's not you. And I actually started talking to my younger brother who um, has been very successful in his career. And he has built me up substantially as someone who knows me pretty well. He's just like, you can do whatever you want. He works with executives at his company and he's just like, there is nothing that they have that you don't. You are it. You are ready. And, I, and every time I have a conversation with him, it just pumps me up. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I do have it. I am going to accomplish what I need to accomplish. You're right. And, you know, it just it, it makes me think that I have to stop selling myself short and I have to just go after the opportunities that I want to go after. And, and I have to demand the the respect, the title, the the opportunities that I think I deserve. And I'm I'm certainly ready to stop being so hard on myself. But, um, you know, if anybody else is listening, I think that we're all in a very similar situation and they should absolutely stop selling themselves short too. Don't, don't buy this, you know, self doubt and imposter syndrome and, and belief that you, that you're not it. Yeah. I love that. And for all the women who need a pep talk from Joanne, please tell Joanne, Joanne, please tell the, the listeners where they can find you online. 
You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Joanne Pollard. Um, last name is P-O-L-L-A-R-D, and the first name has no E, so just J-O-A-N-N. <laughs> <laughs> yes, get it right. Spell her name correctly. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I, I'm not super active on social media, but if you want to connect, if, um, if there's any way that I can help somebody out, I'm happy to do so. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.